You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you would. We're uh, wrapping up uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 here tonight. Uh, we've been taking a look at giving over the last several weeks, and so... Again, it's one of those things that makes people sometimes feel uncomfortable. Uh, I would feel uncomfortable hearing some of the poor teaching that I've heard on giving. Uh, when people guilt trip people, try to twist their arm into giving, make them feel really rotten if they don't give, uh, or even uh, try to get them to buy into to God's cosmic pyramid scheme whereby uh, we give more money and then we get more money back from God and God doesn't work that way. Uh, I, would, I would tire of hearing teaching like that. But when we look at what the Bible says, uh, that our giving really just proves our priority. God expects something from us, and when we give it to him, he's honored and glorified through it. Uh, That God has given us so much, and it's only uh, right for us to give back to him a portion, that which he's already given to us, uh, that God gives uh, to us, and he expects only back 10% of what he's given us. Uh, And we get to keep uh, 90% to use in a way that would honor and glorify him. And we have opportunities, as the Lord allows, to give over and above our tithes and offerings to be able to be a part of what God's doing uh, as well through special offerings. Uh, Next month we'll have our missions conference where we're going to help start a church in uh, uh, Tempe, Arizona. Uh, Pastor uh, John Guy and his wife Amy Guy uh, will be our guests for that and we want to encourage them as they're here. I want to encourage you to be a part of that. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, This month, I haven't mentioned this yet, but I'm going to mention this. Uh, Anya McClinton is headed off to Bible college this fall to get her master's in Bible. And so we get the opportunity as her church family to help her go and we're going to take a special offering in a couple of weeks for that. I want you to to pray and I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, And again, if you were going to the mainland to get her a degree in accounting or something like that, we'd pray for her. We'd encourage her the way that we could, but she wants to study the word so that she can minister uh, to the Lord and that God could use her life. We want to help with that as our church family. And so I want to encourage you to be uh, praying about what God would have you to give and how we can be a part and encouraging her as she heads to Bible college uh, this fall. Uh, all these are opportunities to give above our regular tithes and offerings as God has given to us. And we're taking a look at that through 2 Corinthians chapter number eight. If you're missing the message, you can always get caught up at our website. Uh, but tonight we're taking a look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter eight, starting in verse number 16. I've entitled tonight's message, Financial Stewardship with Integrity. Uh, Paul, as he uh, gets into this passage, is is confronted with a unique thing that he needs to address. Uh, Paul has been uh, blamed uh, that maybe he's just trying to get over on the Corinthians. Maybe he's trying to take their money. Maybe Paul's trying to get himself rich on the backs of these Corinthian believers. And he says, guys, things couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, He says in another passage, it wasn't that I desired something from you. I desired that there would be fruit that would abound to your account. Paul's not trying to get rich. Uh, Paul, if anything, is anything but rich. Uh, Paul's writing this letter uh, from uh, from another location. He's coming back to visit them later. Paul wrote most of his epistles from prison. Uh, Paul's saying, I have no desire to be rich. I do desire that God would do something great in your life. And so to answer the questions of financial impropriety, uh, Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 16. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. Now, up to this point, he's been talking about their faithfulness and giving, and he challenges them again. Hey, the things that you said that you were going to do with your giving, I want you to actually carry it out. And I'm not asking you to give money that you don't have. I'm asking you to be faithful with what God's given you. And he said, I'm thankful that there was another man that was concerned for this for you as well, and his name was Titus. Verse number 17, for indeed, he accepted the exhortation. He stood up to the challenge 
but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. Verse number 17 says, Titus was so fired up about this idea of giving, he was so challenged in his heart by it that he wanted to go to the church at Corinth to encourage them in their giving. Verse number 18, and we have sent with him the brother whose praise is the gospel throughout all the churches. Not that only, but also the chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace which administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of a ready mind. Avoiding this, that no man should blame us in the abundance by which is administered by us. Paul says in verse number 20, uh, uh, we didn't want anybody to say anything negative about us receiving a large offering because you've been so generous. Verse 21, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. We have sent with them our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent with many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. Paul says, as Titus comes to receive this offering that you're gonna give, I'm gonna send the brother. Who's this guy? We don't know his name, uh, but Paul says, I've got a guy and he's been super faithful and he's gonna travel with Titus to make sure that there's no financial impropriety to make sure that uh, as we receive this large offering, we can give God glory and we don't detract from that in any way. No one can say anything negative against us. He says, I have great confidence in you. Verse number 23, whether any do inquire of Titus, he's my partner and fellow helper concerning you or our brethren be inquired of. They are the messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. Wherefore show ye to them before the churches, the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. As we look at this passage of scripture, it's important to understand, first of all, in this case here, that the church needs leaders with the heart of God. It's an obligation for a pastor to have the heart of God. You want to know what the qualifications of a pastor are? Uh, You can find those in 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and Titus chapter number 3. It shows what the, the qualifications of a pastor are. And one of the things that God desires of all of his leaders throughout history is that they would have his heart. And the idea of having God's heart was not necessarily a pastoral job. It's a job of every Christian to have the heart of God. Anyone who would be a leader in the church also has to have the same priorities that God has. For example, we can't have a leader in our church that doesn't care about lost souls dying and going to hell. Just can't do it. It's the heart of God. We can't have a a leader in our church that doesn't know anything about the Bible because God is greatly concerned with the knowledge and understanding of him through his word. We can't have a leader in our church, maybe somebody who just has a really good voice but doesn't love Jesus and doesn't prioritize the things that Jesus has. God has no place for that. Uh, For us, when we gather together in corporate worship, it's not our desire to put on a whiz-bang show. Our desire is to worship the Lord in spirit and truth the way he commands us to. Our goal is not to have professional musicians up here singing songs for you to enjoy. The idea is that we would have people that have a heart for God sharing their love for God so that we can worship along with them. It would be foolish for us to have a leader in our church that does not value the things that God values, even when it comes to things about giving. Titus was a leader uh, that was kind of Paul's right-hand man. Uh, Paul actually wrote a letter to Titus telling him how he expected him to choose pastors for every city that he oversaw. So Titus was a helper very close with Paul in the ministry. And he says, one of the things I love about Titus here, he says, is that he took this exhortation. If you take a look at verse number 17, for indeed he accepted the exhortation. That is a challenge. Titus really stepped up to the plate when it came to this matter of giving. And he was so overcome. He was so overwhelmed with what God had challenged him with. He wanted to go to you. He says, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you, verse number 17. You see, Titus was passionate about giving. This is one of the things that got Titus fired up. 
Titus not only was passionate about giving, we find from uh, the book of Titus, Titus was also passionate about establishing other leaders and raising up leaders. You see, Titus didn't just want to be the guy that called the shots. Titus wanted to be the guy who was equipping other people to do the work himself. You see, that's the, the whole idea behind discipleship is that we would teach people how to be committed followers of Jesus. And those people would teach other people how to be committed followers of Jesus. That's always God's plan is that leaders would raise up other leaders. It's never God's plan that his church be a top-down. In other words, it's not my job as the pastor of this church to oversee everything, to lead everything, to be in charge of everything. It's my job to facilitate other leaders and build up, raise up other leaders to help in the work of the ministry. It's all of our jobs to be passionate about the things that God is passionate about. But you see, Titus wasn't enough just to be passionate. He wanted to share his passion with others. I can only imagine the conversation he had with Paul. Hey, Paul, I know you're super fired up about this whole giving thing. God's really impressed that upon my heart too. Could I go to the church at Corinth and challenge them in this area? Titus would be one of the ones who was a a messenger for Paul. He would actually deliver uh, Paul's letters that he had to the church at Corinth. And Titus says, hey, Paul, would it be all right if I went to the church at Corinth and challenged them in this area of giving? And Paul says it would. And so he says in this letter, hey, guys, I'm sending Titus. Titus is going to receive an offering that you guys are going to take, and he's going to have another guy with him that's going to make sure that everything's handled appropriately. But he had a passion that he wants to share with you. See, the second lead in this uh, passage here, the church must handle God's resources with integrity. Verses 18 through 22 talk about Titus and the brother, this other guy that would travel along with Titus to make sure that there was nothing shady going on and make sure that no one could say anything negative about Paul's testimony or uh, any way that Paul had mishandled finances or had taken anything off the top for himself. Paul says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not touching the offering that's coming, Titus, and another guy is going to handle all of that. I don't want any part of it. He says, and you can trust that it's going to be handled appropriately. You see, mishandling finances damages the church's testimony with unbelievers. You just want to, if you, I'll just tell you this. If you want to get discouraged sometime, go to the Google and then click on the tab that says news and just type in the word pastor and hit search right there and take a look at the news headlines about pastors. Very few times will there be, uh, pastor has been faithful for 25 years in a community change. Pastor leads his congregation to uh, clean up the neighborhood. Pastor leads his congregation to uh, greater effectiveness in, the, in terms of the gospel. 99 times out of 100, the news articles that you will read will say pastor caught up in financial scandal, pastor caught up in infidelity, pastor runs off with the church secretary and all the church's money. And you see unbelievers look at that and say, see, this is why I don't want to be a part of a church. Every time, know this, every time something negative happens in Christianity, you and I pay the price for it. Every time. It doesn't matter to these people that this church is a false teaching church. It doesn't matter to the people that we're trying to reach that maybe they're Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses. All they know is people who claim to be followers of, of God and Jesus Christ have made a mess and have been hypocritical in the way that they've handled finances or infidelity or things like that. And unbelievers automatically look at that and go, uh uh, don't want no part of that. Now, When you and I are hypocritical, we claim the name of Christ, but we go to our workplace and we use foul language. We claim the name of Christ, but we're no different than our unsaved coworkers. We also hurt the name of Christ and hurt the mission of Christ. Carnal Christians make it very difficult to reach unbelievers for Christ. Churches that mishandle God's resources make it very difficult for us to reach others for Christ, and it damages our testimony outside of the church but mishandling finances within the church also damages trust within the church. 
hey, if monies are being mishandled at the church, I don't want my monies going there if they're going to be mishandled. I don't want anything inappropriate uh, taking place with that. I saw on the uh, uh, CNN or Fox News or something like that, uh, one of the false teachers that's on TV, Jesse Duplantis, had said a couple of weeks ago that he needed money to buy a new jet. It was like a $35 million jet that he needed to buy, and God's people were going to pay for it, and God told him to ask for it. And he felt like the higher that he got up in the air, uh, the closer to the Lord he was and the more that he could pray. And he needed to be able to get around the world and preach the gospel uh, without having to stop and refuel his plane. I thought to myself, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You know what's the worst part about it? People gave to that. You know the worst part about it? Unbelievers look at that and go, see, this is what Christians do. This is why Christians want their money. And when you and I talk about worshiping the Lord through tithes and offerings, people look and they go, oh yeah, there's another church just talking about giving. I wonder if that pastor's gonna buy a jet. Just no, this pastor's not buying a jet, right? This pastor flies coach, right? That's what I'm talking about. This this pastor doesn't like to leave the island ever, right? Uh, But the idea here is this. If things are being done inappropriately, Paul says to the church at Corinth here, guys, I want to challenge you and let you know everything is on the up and up with this offering because he wants to encourage trust amongst the people. I had some premarital counseling this afternoon uh, with some folks that are getting married uh, two weeks from yesterday. Kaipo and Rochelle are getting married two weeks from yesterday. Exciting stuff. Today we talked about 10 ways to build trust in our marriage relationship. I said, marriage is built upon trust, honesty, and communication. The same is true in Jesus' church. You know why? Because the church is a picture of marriage. And inside the church, we need trust, honesty, and communication as well. And I told them, whenever trust is broken, it could, might be broken in a matter of minutes. It will take years and sometimes decades to rebuild that trust. You have a husband who's unfaithful to his spouse. How long will it take to rebuild that trust? It might take a lifetime to rebuild it. And so we in the church cannot be inappropriate and mishandle finances anyways because it destroys trust inside the body of Christ. And so Paul says, hey, everything's on the up and up. We've got a couple of guys uh, here that are receiving the offering uh, at who we call a Baptist church here. I don't touch the offering at all. We have ushers that receive the offering. They count the offering. They put it uh, in a bag uh, to be deposited the next day at the bank. I don't touch any of it whatsoever. Not, not for me. I'll sometimes go in my office to grab something out of my office while they're in there counting. I shut the door really quick. I don't even want to be around that stuff. I don't want any impropriety to take place. Any counting that takes place of the offering in there is done on camera. We have footage that could go back and rewind and look. Uh, the, the count that they do of, of the offering on Sundays has to match the deposit slip that we make on Monday morning. Everything's on the up and up. Everything's 100% squared away. Uh, for us as a church, we have an outside company that does all of our accounting and bookkeeping uh, because I don't want my hands or anyone else's hands in the church finances. It's 100% on the up and up. You want to see the reports? Ask for them. But the idea is this, we have to maintain 100% integrity. The moment that we're not uh, having integrity with church finances, we have lost trust in the relationship, in in the church relationship. Next, we must intentionally remove any appearance of impropriety. I don't want anything to happen that would cause someone to think uh, that we were doing things shady or underhanded with God's, God's money. In this case here, Paul says, I don't want just Titus to go and receive this offering. I want two people to actually be doing it. When I was in the military, we used to call this TPI, two-person integrity. Never one person alone with all this stuff at the, at the same time by themselves. There's always at least two people to do that. We do the exact same thing with our church finances. Never at any point will an usher take an offering basket and walk off by himself. Uh-uh. 
Never is an usher going to be alone with the offering, counting himself. No, there's always going to be at least two people there. Why? Do I think some of our guys are going to steal from God? I hope that they wouldn't, but we're not going to give them the opportunity to. We're not going to even leave any appearance that something is inappropriately uh, happening. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says, abstain from all appearance of evil. Romans 13.14 says that we shouldn't make provision for the flesh. We're going to remove any type of temptation and remove any type of thing that looks inappropriate, shady, or underhanded because God's work requires 100% integrity. Uh, this is the same for me even with my counseling appointments. I'll never sit with another lady one-on-one and have a counseling appointment. My wife will always be there or we don't meet. Sometimes people say, oh, Pastor, I'd like to meet with you, but just you. If it's a female, you can meet with me and my wife or you can meet with my wife by herself, but not me just alone. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, sometimes folks will want to talk after church. We always talk in an open area because why? I don't want anything to even remotely appear inappropriate. Everything's got to be on the up and up. We must maintain integrity at every level. Churches and marriages are ruined by two things, finances and infidelity. Top two reasons for divorce in America, infidelity and finances. Church scandals you want to talk about, usually the number two reasons, uh, church finances and infidelity. That's why we must, must, capital M must, maintain integrity at every single level when it comes to doing ministry and doing life. Gentlemen, we should lead the way in our marriages when it comes to establishing trust in our marriage relationship. You know, when, when we have uh, couples that have separate bank accounts and nobody knows what's going into each bank account, guys have lock, lock codes on their phone that their wife can't access, they're deleting text messages and things like that. Hey, those things erode trust in our marriage. Guys, we should lead the way. Hey, my wife wants to look through my, my, uh, my uh, phone, go for it. All the pictures I take automatically sync to her uh, phone anyways. And so if I take a picture of our kids or something like that, it automatically pops up on her phone. Guess what? Ain't no taking pictures of things I don't want my wife to see, that's for sure. You say, oh, you're whipped like that? No, I'm accountable like that. That's actually a really, really good thing. I want to establish trust in my marriage relationship. By the same token, when we do uh, ministry, we need to make sure that everything is on the up and up and that there's no uh, even remote appearance of any type of impropriety, that everything is handled in a way that honors and pleases the Lord. Final thought in this passage here, verse number 24, he says, wherefore show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. Paul says, hey, I've been telling everybody that'll listen how faithful you guys are. I've been telling them how, how much you love Jesus. And he says, would you do me a favor when you guys give, when they receive this offering, would you show them what I've been talking about? You see, our giving proves our love and it proves our priorities. Paul says, I've been bragging on you guys so much. When they go to receive that offering, would you show them what I'm talking about? Would you show them that love that I see from you? I, I want you to, to encourage them with your giving. Because at the end of the day, know this, God doesn't need your money. God is not broke. God does not need uh, your, 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 look, whatever you and I would give, even if we gave a million dollars to God tonight, it's pocket change to him. He owns, owns everything that there is. God is not broke. But, God, but my giving says to God, God, you matter. God, you're a priority in my life. God, of everything that I have, you are number one. Our giving proves that. And Paul says, I want you to show other people. I want you to be the example of what it looks like when people give. I want our church, I truly want our church to be a church that embodies our core values. I really want our church to kind of set an example for other churches of what it looks like to love, pray, give, serve, and invest. Uh, in just a couple of weeks, uh, the uh, 31st of August, 
We'll have guests that are coming. John and Amy Guy that will be planting a church in Tempe, Arizona. I want our church to set an example for them of what a new church plant looks like. Hey, look, I know we're turning five years old this fall, but I still consider us new. Uh, We're just getting things started here, right? I want us to be an example to them. Hey, this is what God can do through his people when they commit to love, pray, give, serve, and invest. And I don't do this so that they can say, oh, wow, what a great church. Oh, what a great people. I want them to say, oh, look at what God can do through regular, average, ordinary people who commit to giving him glory. And I want us to be an example to others. I have friends that are getting ready to start churches in the next couple of years. I would love for our church to be an example to them. I would love for our church to be an example to our neighborhood of what it looks like to love people and encourage. We got a, a ministry opportunity that I was talking with somebody today about. Uh, then in the next couple of weeks, we have the opportunity to show uh, some, some love and appreciation to our community. I'll give you some more details as they come in on that. But I want us to set the example. I want us to really show people how it gets done. Uh, and our giving is one of the ways that we do that. Again, if you have a Christian who does not give whatsoever, it's someone who doesn't have their priorities straight. And if that's you tonight, you say, Pastor, I don't give or I don't give what I should or I don't give what God expects of me. Know this, first of all, I'm not mad at you. I just want to encourage you to grow in that area. By the same token, if you're a Christian who tonight says, I'm not sharing my faith the way that I should, I'd encourage you to grow in that area. If you're a Christian tonight here who's here that say, Pastor, I don't attend church as often as I should, I would encourage you to grow in that area. If you're a Christian who says, uh, Pastor, I've never been to a small group because I, I feel awkward in a, in a small group of people, I'd encourage you to grow in that area. You say, Pastor, I don't read the Bible. I'd encourage you to grow. Pastor, I don't pray. I'd encourage you to grow in that area. Again, this is about spiritual maturity. Again, we don't give because our church is in a bad financial position. God has been faithful to us, and he's met every single need we've ever possibly had. We don't give because somebody guilt trips us into it. We don't give because we've got bills to pay. We give because God is worthy. We give because God gave us everything through his son, Jesus Christ. We give because we've been forgiven, set free from our sins, and God has been so, so extravagantly giving to us, and our natural response should be to give back. We give because that's the heart of Jesus. Jesus was a giver, not a taker. And we want to be like Jesus, and one of the things that Jesus did was he gives. And again, this is not a message on financial transactions. Giving is a heart issue. It's a worship issue. It's a desire to be like Jesus and to to give because God has given so much. The number one thing that God ever gave us was his son, Jesus. If you're here tonight and you don't know for sure if you died that heaven's your home, know this. Without Jesus, heaven will not be your home. Without Jesus, you will die and spend an eternity separated from him in hell. But he sent his son to die on the cross to pay for your sins and pay for mine so that we don't have to go to hell If tonight you would put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior, if you would repent and turn from your sin and turn to Jesus, you could be saved tonight and you could know with 100% certainty that heaven is your home. Every single person must stand before God one day. It's appointed unto man once to die and after that, the judgment. Are you ready for the day that you see Jesus? He's given so that you can be saved. You know for sure that you're saved. If you are a child of God here tonight and you say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved. Let me ask you this question and we're done. Are you giving? the way that you should. If not, I'd encourage you to take a step up in that area. Is there another area of your Christian life that you say, Pastor, I'm not doing what I should? I'd encourage you to take a step up in that area and, and be spiritually mature because that's what God's called us to do. And I'm telling you this, as you grow in your maturity and your love for Jesus, your joy will explode. I, I don't, giving is not something that's a drag. Giving is not something that I have to do. Giving is something that I get to do. I thoroughly enjoy it because of what God's done for me. There were times in my life where I didn't give out of joy. I gave out of obligation. I've got to give. I know I'm supposed to tithe. I guess I will. 
But I grew in my love for Jesus to the point now where I enjoy giving. I'm thankful to be able to give. And as God gives me, I'm thankful that he gives me more so that I can continue to give more and meet the needs of other people, meet the needs of, of our church family, and, and honor God in everything that I do. If that's you, I want to encourage you to take a step up in your faithfulness. I want to challenge everybody to, to put in your budget, giving towards a special offering that will be taken for a Bible college student, and put in your budget, giving towards a new church plant. Those things are coming up in the month of August. Uh, two, two offerings probably within a couple of weeks of each other. I want you to put it in your budget and plan on it. I'd like for you to step out on faith too and say, I, I don't know how this is gonna work. Maybe I'll take some money from savings to be able to be a part of this and be able to give. Maybe I'm just gonna give by faith and trust that God's gonna take care of me. I'd encourage you to do that. That's where you'll find the greatest joy and you'll see God prove himself. Whatever God's challenging you to do, let's take a step up this week. Let's do better this week than we did last week. That's what growth is all about, continually growing until the day that we get to see Jesus Christ face to face. Most important thing, if you're here tonight and you don't know for sure that heaven's your home, please don't leave until you've talked to me about that because it's the most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life. 